All right. It's that time. It's time for Beyond Sight and Sound. Let's do this. Looking for a high-quality beach and sand scoop? Are you trying to take your hunting to the extreme? How about an American-based company that stands behind their product and everything they sell? Then check out our friends over at Extreme Scoops. John has been making scoops for some time now and makes a quality beach and sand scoop to take your hunting to the next level. Extreme Scoops recently released their new sand shredder that works great in the water and on the beach. And if you're a new Equinox user, you may want to check out his Surfmaster X3 that can trap those small targets you new Equinox users are finding out there. Extreme Scoops company approach is let's do it right. So do it right, buy it once, and go to the extreme. Extremescoops.com That's X-T-R-E-M-E scoops.com Hey boys and girls, we are going to talk about S&W Shooters and Prospectors. What is S&W Shooters and Prospectors? We at S&W Shooters and Prospectors help people find treasure did you say treasure? Yes, treasure. Just listen to this amazing review from our happy customer, Jackie Sparrow. chocolate ship shape, and a pleasure to deal with. I was able to buy everything that I needed at prices that were shillings less than others. I found my nine pieces of eight in no time. Savvy? I know you're asking yourself, why should I shop at S&W Shooter and Prospectors? Chuck Smalley has over 45 years of metal detecting experience. He works with each customer one-on-one -on -one to customize their setup to match their skill level. So if you always dreamt of being a pirate, Arr. contact Chuck at S&W Shooter and Prospectors and he'll take a great deal for you. I pass rum, not included. Caution. Please do not operate motor vehicles or power equipment while under the influence of this show. Listening to this show could cause side effects such as bouts of laughter, 
violent binges of cabin fever, and even dreams of silver and gold. Please be advised. Now that the fine print is out of the way, on with the show. All right, the fine print's out of the way. It's time to roll with the show. We're back. We're live once again. You are listening to Beyond Sight and Sound, Metal Detecting and Treasure Hunting Radio for all the really cool digging people out there. And as I look into the chat, good grief, you folks are already all wired up. I see uh, a number of people jumping into the chat here. The Bills are in, Jason's in, uh, Celeste, uh, I'm sure the Bortners, and uh, Frank. And uh, there's, there's just a bunch of people in there. Ken's in there. Um, Mark Hoover's in there. How did he get in there? Man, I th- we're letting anybody in anymore. I know. I was just thinking the same thing. So anybody can get through the doors now. I, actually, that is kind of the case over on the Beyond Sight and Sound group right now. I've <laughs> for the last few weeks, I've had to reject hundreds, literally, member requests because of being fictitious atta- accounts or or something like that. And then all of a sudden this afternoon, my phone starts going off, and I'm going, what is going on? And there's all sorts of notifications for the Beyond Sight and Sound group. And I thought, oh, here we go. I'm getting hit with another wave. And I didn't even think. I just automatically start declining. <laughs> Decline me. I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when I'm like, oh. Oops, uh, I don't think that was one I was supposed to decline. And then come to find out, apparently Chuck had in, had uh, invited a bunch of people to the group as well, and that's why I was getting hit with so many requests. I mean, there, Greg Papalo, I, I thought I had declined his too, and I'm going, oh my God, these, this is not my day. People are going to want to shoot me. But that's the way it goes. Either way, uh, links in the chat, the description, our friends over at Shooters and Prospectors, AIP, Extreme Scoops, Detectees, The Ring Finders, Note the website, Mind Lab Manicore Update link, I believe is still in there. Terry Shannon's website, Midwest Refinery's website, there's Crazy Spider Adventures, Ohio Metal Detecting, Detect Dead Outdoors, All Metal Militia, uh, Hopper Hoodlum, Crazy Spider Adventures, Quarter Hoarder, and Ill Digger. All on the YouTube side of things. Detect America, Metal Detecting, Beyond Sight and Sound, Metal Detecting, Central Illinois, The Relic Hunters, Illinois, Iowa, Treasure Hunters, All Metal Militia, Detect That Outdoors, all on Facebook. If you're into the Facebook side of things, don't forget the Kids Great Metal Detecting Christmas Giveaway for kids ages 5 to 15. We will have our Christmas Giveaway show Sunday. And speaking of Detect America, you can catch Frank and the gang, DA crew, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, multicasting, Facebook, YouTube. We're here Sundays, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, has time and powers to be allow. And that is a mouthful. Thank God I got that all out of the way. Now, I don't have to worry about talking the rest of the show because I think Ken's got plenty to say. So you folks have seen the promos and everything. You've heard the gentleman before speaking about Beneath Our Feet, Volume 1. And we are literally hot off the presses with Beneath Our Feet, Volume 2. He's done it again. So tonight we've got Ken Cunliffe on the show to talk about his experiences in the hobby. 
the volumes of books that he is doing, the people that he's featuring in the books, and what he's doing with the proceeds, which I thought was uh, quite commendable. So let's get him in here. He's he's around here. How's it going tonight, Ken? How's the weather where you are? It is cold as hell. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's wow, cold Wow, you must be here in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in uh, Pennsylvania, York County. Ah, so you're close. Uh, it's cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's cold there too, I'm sure, and it, I don't know, it just seems to me like it came on much faster this year. Yeah, it did, it was like no fall, it went from like summer to summer or winter. Fall. Yeah, it it just, I don't know, it, it's it's not fair, we didn't get much rain through the summer, so it was really tough to get out there and dig. And now here we are. It's too cold to dig. <laughs> I, had I really people, appreciate you having me on. So thank you so much. Hey, anytime, anytime. Um, I know Mark got a little bit of a heads up last night about tonight's show. And, and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to definitely try and, and make the show if I can. Ken's a really great guy, really nice guy, helpful. He said that, huh? Mm-hmm. I gotta send. I gotta send him some more money. Then that was good. Thank you, Mark. Well, you you know Mark. He likes to stay on top of it. You know, got gotta gotta keep them extra extra jars of jam around somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his wife's jam is really good. So, gotta stay friends with Mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. Uh oh wow and and we've got them all coming into the house too. Uh I see ill diggers in and good good deal. Nothing wrong with that at all. So I guess uh hmm I could have sworn that I saw some sort of comment from Mark but now it's it's gone. It's it's lost to posterity. I don't know. I missed it. My loss. You snooze, you lose. So for people who may not be familiar with you, let's start out. Uh, you know, what got you into the hobby? How long have you been in the hobby? And what machine did you start with? So I've been <clears throat> metal detector for about eight years. I started off with a thirty thirty. Um, I was really? in a drag race. Yeah, I, I was in the drag racing for years, and they started closing the tracks around me. So I sold my car, truck, and trailer, and I needed something to do on the weekends. And I was like, oh. I was watching this guy on YouTube, and I can't remember who it was, but he used a 3030. So I used to watch him all the time, so I bought a 3030. That's what I started with, and then I got a Deus right after that. So I would switch off between the two. So, yeah, the 3030 was my first machine. Kind of a uh, sink or swim scenario there. Did... I'll be honest. I think the thirty thirty is easier to use than a lot of people realize. It's just basically. It can be yes. It's yeah. It's just creating mask, right? So, and I use. I'm a coin shooter. I love finding coins, right? So, <clears throat> I went on eBay and I bought like every type of coin, and I created a mask, and then. I would just use that mask on fields and 
if it made a noise, it was a really good chance it was a coin. So it was a it was a wonderful machine to to use. And then I would imagine, uh, you know, familiarizing yourself with menu navigation and everything that made the transition over to the dais somewhat easier than it would have been for other people that just jump right into the hobby with a dais. Yeah, and the, and the 3030 has got that geo feature where you can mark where you found something. You can point the, like, plot the point. Yeah, that and was that I, was a highly <clears throat> underrated feature of the CTX. Yeah, I, I love that. And then I would I would overlay all my hunts. On, there was I hunted primarily like three or four fields, and there's like huge fields. So I would overlay the hunts on top of each other in Photoshop, and then I could see where I kind I you know was uh, needed to hit on a certain area. So it would really right. help. Like I'd say, okay, for today I'm going to go back in the far left corner in this section because. I haven't really hit that hard. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah. Well, he was awesome. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like that feature on the 3030 so much, because you could get out into a field, and, and let's face it, when you're hunting a big field, you can think you're walking a straight line, but you just don't realize how far off you could be until you actually bring it up on a map or something and go, oh, wow, I was kind of... Drunken sailor hunting. Yeah, it's a little eye-opening when you start overlaying the hunts on each other and how similar sometimes your lines are. And you uh -huh. think you're covering a lot of the field, but you're actually not. You're, you know, so that was a, I really missed that. It, it, it was a nice feature, and hopefully they have a, a detector that has that, the plot feature for a find, and then the geo feature for your path, because that was just, that was amazing. Right, yeah, I mean, be, before the, uh, before the 3030, I just used to carry a uh, uh, handheld GPS to keep oh, track of that idea. stuff. Yeah, yeah I never but, even thought of uh, that. You know, having, having that feature incorporated into the 3030 just simplified so much, simplified things so much easier because it was one less thing I had to drag out in the field with me. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I've kind of gone away from it altogether anymore now, and I've been lightweight for for some years. I've ran the Deus and and the uh, the Equinox, the Simplex, the Legend, uh, Manicore, all good machines. Yep. Yeah, and I, people are just tearing it up with the Deus too. Yeah, I like the. I don't know if it's if I have a hearing issue, but the. Um, the dais sounds the best to me, like from a like a. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, the MindLab sounds seem a little flat, and the dais sounds to me a much more soulful, like vibrant sound. That uh, okay, you know. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it because see, I, my wife. I always thought I could sing until I sang to my wife and she laughed at me, and I'm like, oh, I'm tone. I'm, I'm, <laughs> tone deaf right apparently right so i can't hear pitch i can't like i can't sing i thought i could like i watch american idol and i can identify with the people that think they can sing yeah, right that's me right so but the sounds of the dais are so much better than at least for me right um but you know i still love my mind labs like i run a double mana set in england 
Um, so this way, if something breaks, you always have a backup. So I bring my mana core to England, um, and I prefer my dais in the U.S. Wow. Well, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we got uh, Frank likes to say in the chat that apparently you and I are the only ones that use that feature yeah. on the CTX. I'm reading but that. I do thing, know. The only thing I didn't like about that feature, though, is that was stored online. So that means somewhere. Yeah, so that means someone can see where you've been. Yep. And, like, if somebody ever hacked that, like, think about that. If, if, you're, if you're a metal detectorist and you're, you're skilled at hacking, you could have hacked my website and had, like, everybody's good sites, right? Well, I kind of look at it as, as, like, any of those that may have been stored online somewhere. I just treat it like when somebody says, well, I thought about hunting this spot of Illinois, and I tell them, ah, you might as well not even bother. Chuck's already been there. So if they <laughs> find one of my one of my uh, paths online, they they need not bother. I've already been all over it multiple times. That's why it's all filled in <laughs> so dark. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I mean, you you never find it all, but hey, it's it's fun to dream. It's fun to dream. So you're you've been using the mana core as well then. You're really liking that machine? Yeah, I waited. I was I saw the a lot of like not so great reviews, I guess, before the patch came out, right? So when I Ah I, I when the nine hundred came out I bought a double nine hundred setup. So when Good I went machines. there and I had my nine hundred Yeah, I love I loved my eight hundred, right? So I bought the nine hundred and then when the patch came out for the mana core and the reviews were good for it. Then I bought my mana cores and then sold one of the 900s. I, I still have one 900, but I, I run the double mana core now in England. And it's great. It really is. I'm, I'm very happy with it. It was nice to see when they released the 900 that they had uh, expounded on the VDI scale. And then with the mana core, when they released that software update, pretty much nearly... I'm going to say probably 95% of complaints that people had, the software update resolved. Right. And that's when I, that's what I, once I saw that, then I felt comfortable to buy it and run it as my primary, primary machine. And, and the update's pretty cool. It's got those red numbers. So I don't know if you, if you use those yeah. at all. Yep. Yeah. That's I do and, like again, that Ferris indicator. Yeah, and it gives you a little more information. I don't base on what I dig off that alone. No. Or the conductivity line, right? It's, but it's, it's just, just more another in... tool yes. available to us. Yep, it helps you make a decision. And when I'm digging, I usually will make a decision real fast. Like if, if, it, if I'm swinging and I get a repeatable like two times, boop, boop, I'm down and digging. Because right. the faster you dig, it, just dig it, get it out of the ground, and then keep moving. Rather than, oh, to go to the left, go to the right, and then swing it like for like two minutes oh i know i've, don't, I've you know, tried to watch those youtube videos and i just can't do it it's like watching paint dry yeah just get down pop it out and then keep, let your shovel be the discriminator right let that exactly. figure out what it is exactly so that's, that's what we like to tell people you are the final discriminator you want to know what it is dig it find yep. out yep that's what i do and i'd rather dig a pull tab than to think that i could have possibly walked on a gold ring i can't tell you how many times i th i'm like this is definitely a piece of trash 
and it was something amazing. I was like, oh man, I am so glad. Right. I dug yeah, there like there it, are so many good targets that hide in those junk VDI ranges that people that put too much faith in the numbers they don't realize what they're missing. I dug this little tiny hammer the size of my pinky nail. Oh, now especially six. when you're talking hammer, you know they yeah, went so a, low. It was a six, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, oh, it sounds too good. Not that I'm just gonna, you know, you never know. You're in England, right? Right. And sure. Sure enough, it was a hammer. So, huh? Well, and and you know, I I was gonna I was gonna hold on to this curveball a little bit until later into the show, but since you are mentioning England, I have just got to know. Uh, as you know, I know a number of people in the hobby as well, and I hear through the uh, detecting grapevine that. Uh, you have trouble with thermostat controls. <laughs> you must be talking to Todd <laughs> All right. So this story, um, I had been to England a couple times, and Todd finally had an opening in his barn. Todd Yerks. Uh-huh. Great guy. Had oh, yeah. Todd's, Todd's awesome. All right. So I got into one of his barn tours, and... It was really, really, really cold out. <laughs> we came back in. I couldn't get warm. So I was fidgeting around with the thermostat. And I, I guess it took a while for it to kick in and heat up. It must have been like 80, 85 degrees in the middle of the night. And everybody was upset and sweating. They're like, who touched the thermostat? And I was like, uh, that. I owned up to it. I was like, yeah, it was, it was me. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, I'm not I'm not allowed near the thermostat anymore. <laughs> yeah, Todd had told me he's like, you know, he says if you get the chance for some good humor, just ask him if he has trouble with thermostat controls. They must be different in England. Yeah, it, it, it get I don't know, man. Like it's got they have the um the heaters that are like the uh, like the old style in the U.S. that are on the walls on like a metal like a metal radiator kind of thing like it's not the same like it's not like forced heat like we have here or forced air Ah, okay so it takes a while for it to i guess kick in right so i kept turning it up i kept i'm like damn it's cold (laughs) and (laughs) by the time it kicked in we were all asleep and people were waking up in the middle of the night and I was not a popular person that trip. <laughs> yeah, Todd Todd was like, this is just hilarious. You're going to have to work this in on him. He, yeah. It's it's funny, but yeah, it'll catch him off guard, and I don't think anybody's ever brought that up. <laughs> nope, nobody's ever brought that up. And like One of the Todd's rules for his bar now is nobody's allowed to touch the thermostat, uh-huh. and that's the, that's the Ken rule. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, that... that that's funny. I mean, because right away you knew where that came from. <laughs> oh, I knew exactly. But you know what? I, 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 to be fair, I deserved it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that, though. Definitely nothing yep. wrong with that. Um, I owned it. Like, yep. Yeah. Hey, that's a, we we all have those uh, those occurrences where we can look back and. And laugh about it. Might not have been too funny to some people that particular evening, but... 
Yeah, they woke Still, up. Still, good they times. Were, they have, yeah, it was a good time. They, he's a really great guy, and his, his barn trips are amazing. So if anybody has an opportunity to do a barn trip with Todd, and I think he's doing two trips a year now. So he you, normally he had a March tour. Yeah, and I th- usually I think he's, he's doing March and September. Yeah, usually he's booked out a little ways too, but I believe that he still keeps all of that listed on uh, cttodd.com. Yep. Yep. So. I just updated the site for him with the uh, and the information and everything. So it's a really good oh. tour. He knows the field so well. I mean, there's so many fields in Colchester that you can go to, and mm-hmm. his knowledge of what fields have produced what, and um his understanding of like all the updates that have been on the forum all year, like he knows which fields will probably be hot. So he's a really good person to be uh, on the barn with. Oh yeah, definitely. I would agree. And he, he knows his machines. Yes, he does. Very well. Um, that's definitely, um, that's definitely a good person to uh, be with over there in England, especially especially if you're taking, say, a Deus or a, a CTX. Or it's It's been a little while since I've been on Todd's website, but I'm sure he's probably got his hands on a main accord, too. Uh, he knows them all. He's, he's good. Yeah. So uh, you... Uh, you got into the hobby, and then apparently you decided. What what prompted you to, you know, take the plunge and travel abroad to hunt? So, I got really, really lucky. My first year of detecting, the guy. So I went to a metal detecting meeting because I I wasn't finding really. I was going to parks and Cooper River Park in New Jersey is a pretty old park. And it's mm-hmm. pretty big. It goes for miles. And I would hunt that all the time, and I would, I had, I'd find clad. I never found a silver coin. My oldest coin was in 1965. And I was getting frustrated. Right? And I was like, all right. Right, maybe I'm just doing something wrong. I'll just go to the metal detecting meeting and see what's up, right? Right. See so what I other went, people went, are finding. Yeah. So I went to the one in, in South Jersey. Joe DeMarco was the president at one time of that club. So I went there. And you know how they people display their fines mm-hmm. before the show before the meeting, right? Yeah. So I'm walk I'm walking around checking out the fines and you know, there was two or three park people that had like a lot of clad, maybe a couple silvers, like hot wheel cars, stuff like that, right? And then there was a couple people had beach fines, right? And they you know, um, rings and a whole bunch of stuff. But there was one guy at the end and I'm like, dude, what is that? And he's like he's like, Oh, that's a KG two. I'm like, what the hell's a KG two? <laughs> right? Right. And he's like, that's a king. That's a King George the second. And I'm like, King George has an England King George. And he's like, yeah. I go, you found that here? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, holy crap. And I go, well, what's that? And it was a silver coin, and it was a real. I'm like, where, where's that come? And he, was, he gave me all, and and he had it was a like I it was like somebody injected metal detecting into my veins when I saw those coins. That's all I could think about. And I said to him, I go, is there any chance you could take me out? He's like, yeah, yeah, give me a number. I'll take you out. And I didn't believe him. Like, I'm, I I was hoping he was going to call, right? But 
you know, people say they will, then, you know, they never call or something, right? So he called and he's like, hey, I'm going out Saturday. Um, new farm, never been there. You want to go? I'm like, yes. Right? So we dug cans, can slaw for hours. Not one single coin, not one single button, nothing. And oh. he was like, hey, and he, and he was like, I'm so, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, I'm like, what are you, what are you sorry for? You were nice enough to invite me out. I, I don't expect ever to, you know, to find something every time I go out. Right? I just appreciate you inviting me. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're going, we're going tomorrow again to a different place. You're welcome to come. I said, okay. So I, we parked my, my truck and one guy had walked one direction. Another guy had walked another direction. The other guy walked. So I walked the opposite direction of everybody else. So I had my own path. I wasn't going to cross anybody, right? I wasn't going to take anybody's line or if they were gritting, I wouldn't cross it. So mm-hmm. I just started my own direction. Ten feet from my truck, I get a really nice signal. It's a KG2 Hibernia counter stamp 1760. Nice. You had to be over the moon with that. Well, I didn't know what it was. I'm like, hey, what's this? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So he's like, what'd you find out? I'm like, right there. He's like, oh, that's amazing, dude. All right. So they got excited. And then I think that day I found, I found two or three largies. I got... My KG2, I think I got a KG3 that day. So, like, the first day of hit, I hit, like, five. So, this was, like, a banner day for you. It, but the, here's the crazy part. That, like, the next six months, Nothing. like that. Oh. No. I dug, in the first six months, probably 100 coppers. And we had fields that the Hoover boys were on, and they called it the Field of Dreams, right? It was uh, this large giant farm field uh-huh. and it was the size of probably 30 or 40 football fields and that's the one that i gridded with my 30 30 right but on an average day you'd go and find two or three coppers and probably 10 to 50 buttons every time you went and within the first wow. six months Way i to found get spoiled. so much i i found six reals my first six months of detective i found um like it, it's it's crazy, but here's where it got weird. That success was almost a demotivating factor because I dug so many different things. That do I really want to go spend six hours where I could just go spend six hours with my grandson or my like it was it got to a weird space where. I don't want to devote too much time because it's going to be hard for me to dig something I haven't dug yet. Right. And that's where England, that's where England came in. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go to England and I want to dig stuff. I, I can't dig over here. Right. At least try it once. Right. Like I've dug every copper, but the older <coughs> one, like largey, I've dug a half cents. I've dug Spanish cobs, 1650s from a field in New Jersey. Right, a Spanish nice. hammered cob. Right, that's. I've dug caps, a lot of caps. I have more caps than I do mercuries, because <laughs> I don't ever dig anywhere where a mercury would ever come up. I have like four, maybe, because I don't. I'm on old farm fields almost exclusively. Nice. Well, so you definitely 
you definitely got uh, how location can be key down. Oh yeah, the the there the was three main fields, like primary fields we hunted, and then there was maybe four or five secondary fields. That if there was crop on the primaries, we would hit the secondaries. But probably fifty percent of what I found came off three fields. So with all of the uh, reals and coppers and and all of that, and especially with the time over in England, any gold coins? <laughs> no, they're hiding. I can't. I can't find a gold coin. Well, couple... we all we all have our white whales or or multiple yeah. white whales. Yeah, it, it does go like that sometimes, unfortunately. But hey, yep. you you keep at it. You keep trying. One of these days, you just never know. Yep. Yeah, and like I said, that day that it's funny. The day the uh, the hammered cob came up, I thought it was trash. And my buddy Hank, who's in Volume One, Henry Smith, I, we'd always send like if one of us couldn't get out, we would send each other pictures of Hey, look what I found today, right? And like you know, oh, cool, nice job. So I mm-hmm. sent him pictures of my finds that I had my trash pile off to the side and he calls me he's like yo dude what's that uh what's that thing on that trash pile you have over there I go, what do you mean he's like that silver thing that or the gray thing it looked it was like like a grayish color right I said that's trash I th- he's like that's not trash dude he goes that's a that's a hammered cob I'm like I don't think so because the, <laughs> when it was hammered when they struck it they struck it off, so the full cross isn't there. So it's when you first initially look at it. Unless, I guess if you know, I didn't know what a cob was, right? First cob mm-hmm. I ever dug. So now I know. But then I'm like, oh, it just it looked like, kind of looked like a cross, but the whole cross wasn't there. And he's like, no, dummy, that's <laughs> that's a hammered cob. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. Well, that's uh, that's how we learn sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But like I dug my I, when I dug my GW button. I didn't know what it was. I dug yeah. two. The first one I the first one I dug, I was with that guy who took me out right the first time. This was probably month three of me detecting. We're on mm-hmm. one of the primary fields, and I dug this giant button. And I go, Chuck, what's this big ass button? He comes running over. Because there were two found in that field before. I didn't know that. But he knew it. So he comes over and he grabs my butt and he cleans it. And you can see the chicken. Like like the the funny looking eagle. And he's like, wow. dude, this is He goes, this is a GW button. I'm like, what's a GW button? And he's like, oh my god. <laughs> and I, but here I, I felt robbed. Because after I learned about it and how special it was. And how much it's a... a a dream dig for somebody. Right. Meanwhile, other like people are looking at you going, really? You, you're not even yeah. excited at all? Come on. Well, I didn't know. I, I lost that right. experience. So now, fast forward a year later, I'm on that same field, and an old couple walks by, and this field had a, a large walking path that went all the way around. And there's an older guy. He had to be like 80, 85, and he's kind of laughing. And I took my headphones off. I'm like, can I help you? And he's like, you're not going to find any coins here. So he thought I was looking for modern. He goes, nobody comes back here. You're not going to find coins. 
I'm like, no, I'm not looking for coins. And then I, I showed him my website. I'm like, look, here's what I found. And he, he was like stunned. He goes, I live right there. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm right over there. A lot there. of people I, I don't. Edward right. So then I walked after I showed him the, the picture of the GW button that I dug. I walked back to that section. It's maybe 50 feet, 100 feet away from where I was talking to the guy mm-hmm. and popped my second one. And when I popped it, I knew exactly what it was. And I was able to experience the, the thrill of digging a GW. Oh, so, there you go. The, the second one means more to me than the first one because I didn't know what the first right. one was. You know what it is now and and yeah. why people consider it such a coveted find. I yeah. I thought I saw him on my screen, but I can't find him. I think he's in here. I think we've got Chuck in, in the call with us. Yes. How we doing? All Ken, right. how are you? Hello there. Hello. Hello. I, that's a bucket luster for me is a GW button. That's that's eluded me. Yeah, I got I got very lucky to find two. Yeah, wow. That's that's great. That, Were they both the same style or two different? So apparently, now I don't know. I've heard that most the jackets had four buttons. So there were two found on the field before. I had found the third, and then I had found the fourth a year later. They were all the same. They were like the, the funky-looking chicken thing where yeah. whoever – that guy, whoever they did to make the buttons, I guess wasn't very much. He lied on his resume. <laughs> he wasn't much of an artist. <laughs> yeah. You got the, the weird-looking chicken. But what was cool about the second one, um, even though it was broken, it was, so a piece of it is missing, and it, it took the shank with it. Oh. So they – Oh. I, I thought they punched a hole in it to make it a button, like to repurpose it as a button. Uh-huh. And Dave, Dave Weiss, who's in volume one, who's got 13 GWs. Yeah, he decorates yeah. Christmas trees with them. Yeah, and he goes, uh, no, that's a wizard. So mm-hmm. one of the second the second one I dug is a GW wizard, which I thought. <laughs> hey, that kind of makes it a little cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I was very fortunate. Very cool. I heard you talking about the 3030 and plotting the field. And I spent many trips into Virginia or to Mount Pillar and worked with the archaeologists, and we used that plotting on sites and did the overlays and that kind of stuff. And then they brought out some really high-tech equipment to plot finds and lay out with what we put down to show the size and shape of the buildings we were working because they live on rusty gold. In other words, you marked every nail, you dug it all, they marked it, they tagged it, we did plotting, and they could actually draw the building by what we were finding. No kidding, really? Yes, sir. Yeah, you'd be amazed how much a nail can tell you. And nails would age the building because there's a whole, you know, digging a nail in a, you know, a new spot isn't a bad thing. It can date a site for you by the type of nail it is. Yep. And uh, we used all that information, learned a lot from them. They learned a lot from us. I was out there. Well, actually, I am staff out there whenever I go out now. That's so, pretty cool. 
yeah, it's fun. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there, and they still do the week-long event where you, they take you in, they show you their side of it, they're running, they have full-time detectorists on site now, and it's quite uh, it's quite the uh, setup, and they, they all get along with us, and we get along with them. Yeah, that's nice when you can collaborate like that and and help each yep. other. Absolutely. It is. Well, England does it right. I've been over there detected a couple times, and I go with uh, Chicago Ron and go to his barns, and I heard he knows the Colchester area also, yep. and we do rather well. Back my I, second what, trip, I got a three-guinea gold piece. Oh, nice. Six. Congratulations. That's wonderful. So, it's 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 always fun fun to find a gold coin too. That's a thrill. I found others, two and a halfs and fives. I've never found a ten or a twenty. That's those are bucket listers too. Ah, that's a good it's a good list to have though. Congratulations, right. man! Wow. Yeah. What, what, what I think what I think England does right <laughs> where America is missing the boat. Yep. Is I like the fact that you have to declare your fines, right? You report them to the flow. They document it. Because right. here's the thing. So those those three primary fields that I hunted, hundreds of coppers, hundreds mm-hmm. of buttons, a Civil War buttons. I have Continental Navy cufflinks mm-hmm. off of that field, right? What the hell happened? What, what was on that field? And it spanned like 150 to 200 years. What was going on that field where we're finding – Spanish hammered cobs and a mercury dime. And then you're finding all of these other reals. I think that one primary field, I have six reals off that one field, then I have 12 altogether. Right? But what happened on that field that there's hundreds of, of coppers? Like when the Hoover boys did their video, they called it the Field of Dreams because their, their board at the end of the night was filled with coppers. And all those Civil War buttons. And the and the, the Rev War buttons and the Rev War cufflinks and all the musket balls. What, what happened? Nobody knows. We checked all the maps. We checked everything we could. History books, town books. But nothing ever has shown on those fields. And if, if I know what I found, and I know what my friends found, right? But there was a lot of people who detected those fields. And wow. what did they all find? Right, yeah. and if, if if we had have reported that, it would have been neat to be able to go and say, "Oh man, look look at all the stuff that was on this field." There had to be some type of encampment, but not just for the Rev War, but for the Civil War too, because there was buttons from both wars on that field, not not just a couple, like hundreds of buttons. Wow. Yeah, it's really it's a shame we don't do that over here. Right, yeah, you figure one detectorist shows up, they make some fines, they take them home. Another detectorist shows up, makes some fines, takes them home. Every every time that happens, another piece of the story is lost. Yeah. yeah. It would be neat to be able to go back and go to a website and say, hey, for this field, what was found? Because you can go to the, the antiquity site, right, and run, like, all the Edward the Confessor coins, and they will show you all over England where they were found. It'd be neat right. to pull that field up in the U.S. and see, look, what was all this found on this field? You know, by all these, you know, 
probably 20 or 30 different detectors. Right? So that's right. where I think we're missing. Or the more. But un- yeah, and unfortunately, it's gone now. All that history has been extracted. It was never recorded. And no one will ever know it was there. Wow. Correct on that. I, I mean, <coughs> they're, they're systematic in England, and, and their system is not 100% the best, but it's a lot more than what we've got. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one field that we were on, I'm trying to Mary's Horde area. That's the name of that one. This year, yeah, Mary's, that's where, pulled off of it. Yeah, that's where I found my Roman, my first trip to. And Old I found Chester. a Roman on there also. In fact, yeah, my Roman silver. Yeah, my first Roman silver that areas came off Mary's. Yep. And that's nice. where mine was at, and uh, but we had a guy in the group. Uh, he just purchased uh, uh, Equinox six hundred, took it out, and I was showing him how to run it, and he found a God, what was that? He found a gold coin, and he found seven and a half inch long piece of Roman torque. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Lay the the torque was laying on the ground. Yeah, it just been plowed up, and we covered that site looking for more, and never found a thing. So wow, if it got struck by the that. plow for a long ways and dropped, who knows? But they deep plow because most of the fields are either onion or carrot or potato, and <laughs> it requires some deep plowing for that type of planting. And right. uh, so those deep chisel plows and on potato fields here, they're doing 40-inch deep plowing. Yes. Yep. That's true. Well, speaking of uh, collaboration, <laughs> uh, what inspired you to do the first Beneath Our Feet? So when I started detecting, I wanted a website that had kind of a professional vibe to it, right? Because I, I, I know how I am if somebody knocks on my door or calls me on the phone. I don't like it, right? Okay. So I wanted to get a website that I could make a professional-looking website mm-hmm. and use that in marketing material, sending letters or you know whatever – and getting permissions that way and started looking for a domain and I found the detectorist.com and I'm like, how does one of the manufacturers not have this domain or maybe even one of the large resellers like detectorist.com. That's like having plumber.com, right? Like how does somebody not have that? So right. it was, I think it was like seven or $800. That was it. And it was like, on a buy, you could buy it right now. So I bought it. And I thought to myself, if I ever get detectorists.com, I'll do something kind of project that has a whole bunch of detectorists involved. So fast forward to earlier this year, I closed the deal for detectorists.com. I bought it. Nice. The original, the original title of the book was going to be Detectorists. 
The only problem, though, the Facebook page for the Tectorist, after all these years, has over 10,000 followers. And if I, uh-huh. if, I, if I carve off the Tectorist into its own website and its own Facebook page just for the book, then I'm going to lose that base that I've built all these years. Right. So that's when I ended up, I'm like, oh, I'll just name the book something different, just redirect the Tectorists to the Tectorist. And I get a ton of traffic from it, right? So yeah, I'll just blend the two sites together and then just come up with a different name for the book. And the initial name I think I had was Under My Feet or something like that. And then I'm like, well, it's got to be plural because it's going to be a bunch of under under our feet. And then that morphed into, well, I don't like – I didn't like the way it looked when I Photoshopped it. So I ended up doing – Beneath our feet. I'm like, that sounds better, and it looks better as a title. So that's how I ended up with Beneath Our Feet. Uh Uh-huh. And what was, like I've said, what I thought was very interesting about that, not only the, uh, you know, you're featuring different people in it, not necessarily, you know, well-known people. You know, it's it's not like these are all... uh, I don't know, movie stars or politicians or something like that, celebrities. You know, not all right. of these are well-known people, but you're you're covering a little bit on a little bit of everyone, basically. And then you're donating a hunt, not not part, not a piece, but a hundred percent of the proceeds to a charity. Uh, yeah, so ASPCA, I believe, for the for the uh, volume one. Yeah, so volume one technically hasn't turned a profit yet, um, because I tried to do some self publishing initially, right? And I spent over over a thousand dollars from three different people trying to get it printed right, and I just mm. gave up. And I talked I talked to Terry Shannon, and he was kind enough to kind of walk me through the, the whole Amazon setup. So I've made donations now to the SPCA, even though technically it's not profitable. The nice part is um, I've done I, – or I do all the Photoshop work myself. I do all the page layout work myself in, in design, so I use Adobe. So I don't have any – I don't have any overhead. It's just time. Right. Right. So it's just my, just my time. So volume two, there's zero cost. Right, I don't count the free books that I give away as an expense. I just eat that. So mm-hmm. from day one, the volume two is profitable from day one. And in the first three days, I made $300 in profit. Right, So already we're getting ready to we'll have a $300 donation if I donated just the first three days worth. Now, right. you know, sales fall, falls off you know, over time, so it's not like that going to be every week. But there will right. be a nice, sizable donation, the first donation for the uh, – St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Right, and that's the other thing. For Volume 2, you selected a different charity for those proceeds to go to. Yeah. So, um, what, I'll, what I'll probably end up doing, because I noticed that the sales are blending, because Volume 2 came out, Volume 1 sales picked up a little bit, so mm-hmm. I guess people who might who might not have known about Volume 1 prior... Right, there's always a little bit of an uptick in yeah. cash sales. So instead of having two different donations each month, 
people might get fundraisered out. You know, like, oh, my God, I'm tired of seeing these guys. It's fundraisers, right? <laughs> so what I did so what I did for the first one, I, do, I, I started a fundraiser, made the donation, and then people matched my donation. So the ASPCA got over $200 on the first fundraiser. Now, the next one I do, I'll do the same thing. I'll do a fundraiser, and I do it this way so it's transparent. Right, because a lot of people, oh yeah, I made a donation. How do you know? Right, oh yeah, he's donating all the money, but is he really? All right. right. This way, it's completely transparent. You see the donation that I make on the fundraiser, and then I leave a little bit above it. Hey, can we maybe we get another maybe another two hundred dollars, and hopefully maybe we can. Right. So then, on top of my doma- donating the profits, there's additional monies that the charities will get. From the fundraiser that right, I set up, as so a uh, group I'll, effort from other people donating. Yeah, so what I'll probably do is I'll do one a month. So um, this coming donation will be St. Jude's, and then the, the December or January one will be the ASPCA, and then it'll be so I'll probably alternate back and forth. Nice. Both are selling, so rather than have two, right? Because I don't want people to get. Oh man, he's got another. You know. He's always asking for money. <laughs> right, here you, we you know go I mean? again. Yeah, so I, I thought that's probably a good <coughs> way to do that. No, well, I can I can see where a person might think that. But, I mean, that that's the thing that, you know, you, you hear about somebody releasing a book, and it's very, very few and far between where you hear about somebody releasing a book that, hey, yes, it, it is a book that's available for sale on Amazon, but the proceeds are going to charity. Yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate in life. I've been blessed with a lot of good things, and I always think, you know, got to pay it forward. I mean, you got you to help others. You got to – I love animals. I got three dogs and three cats, right? So mm-hmm. – so now just, we know why the uh, ASPCA came in for Volume One. Yeah, yeah. I just all my cats are rescues. Um, if they were the ones were outside of our house, and the neighbor had pulled a, a tree out, and um, the mother never came back. And we bottle fed six of them. Four of them passed away from, I guess, the the, the kitty leukemia or whatever that is. Oh. Um, and two of them made it through, and I just couldn't turn them into a shelter. You know, I hand-fed them since they were kittens, right? So I just kept them. And then mm-hmm. the, my other cat was 13 the other day. Um, oh, sorry, 15. Um, she's been with me. We, we got her from a rescue as well. So. Wow. Good on you. Yeah, very, very commendable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, if if somebody were to, because I know I've got the links, I had the links in the promo, I had them in the description, I've got them in the chat. If somebody were to go and purchase Volume Two, or or even Volume One, what can they expect to see in in one one of your beneath our our feet books? So like you said, it's a very diverse group. There's men and women, and there's countries all over the world, right? I got 
Scotland, Wales, England, Canada, Australia, the U.S., Monaco. There's people from all over, and like I said, men and women. And it's the, I think the first volume, there's 20 people that I've actually hunted with, like in person. So wow. I've seen some I've seen some crazy stuff come out of the ground, right? So a lot of the people that I've hunted with in England um, are in volume one, and then. I think volume two, I think there's 10 or 15 that I've hunted with in person. And then um, I've, like, I'm on a lot of different sites for uh, metal detecting, right? a lot of different groups, and I see things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll see somebody post something. And I watched a video of a guy named, named Kevin Rudd. And he runs, um, I think it's called Woodlands Detecting or something like that. Um, YouTube channel, small channel, up and coming. Really nice guy. And I saw him dig a New Jersey copper. And his enthusiasm and just pure joy of digging that coin. I reached out to him and said, like, hey, man, I'd like to put you in the book. Right? He was just. Right. The, I, I felt his excitement. Right. And a lot of other ones of people that I saw, like um, uh, Digger Dan over in England, he was one of the ones where I, I liked his channel. I watched his channel. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing volume two. I was filled for volume one. I didn't reach out to a lot of people in volume one. The Mark Hoover was very helpful. And so was Todd with recommending people. Mm-hmm. Right. So we went through a vetting process. Right. Because. You know, one bait apple could spoil the bunch, and if I got a fake find in my book, that's bad, right? Ah, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was like friends of friends and people who are very, have like a good reputation. And, and if they're friends with that person and they hunt with that person, that's a very, and, the, and they can vouch for that person. And that's a very, a, a very good thing for me to help prevent that fake fine from ever making the book right yeah because you don't want it reflecting poorly on on the the no. other books or the other people that are in the book or even yourself or the hobby yeah i mean it's not hard to edit my book where if i had to pull somebody out mm-hmm. i could right so let's just say i found out oh this guy's a liar he's got a big <clears throat> I could just I could go put somebody new in, just right. update the the PDF file and upload it, and that's the nice thing about Amazon. You can make changes really quick. So, right. if that happened, I could fix it quickly, but still the damage would be done, right? So, Mark Hoover and Todd Yerkes, very helpful in their their references and referrals for uh, the people in volume one and two. Right, and and they both know a number of people in the hobby, and you know your time in the hobby too. We we kind of get a feel for people fairly quick, and we're usually a pretty good judge of character. And you can tell whether they're full of themselves. Yeah, I, I had a couple crazy submissions. What am I? Oh my god! It's, I get, <laughs> I'm like, this is just. It just doesn't doesn't pass the sniff test right it just seems weird 
So I turned <laughs> like I had a lot of people email me, right? Hey, you know, I found this. Can I be in the book? But I'd probably say there was a good ten that I turned down, where I just didn't it didn't feel right. 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 Like well, the, and the story, the pictures, and it just it just felt weird. Like there was one guy that I think, um, I think he said they found seven reals in his backyard. And that's a heck like of a backyard. <laughs> and they were all to, they and they they were all together. And like when his pictures, they're all you can see them all in the dirt, like in the hole. And that, mm. that, that's a you know, anybody who's dug more than one coin in a hole, you know, they don't all don't stick out of the side of the plug, you know, like just all lined mm. up. It was just just yeah. So yeah, things happen. But. Yeah, I can definitely understand where something like that could. Uh, Put a person on guard. Yeah, but there's, I mean, in the books, there's fines. You know, there's England and the U.S. It's a little different. Like, um, like in England, they, they find stuff three, four thousand years old, right? So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little different, but it's a very diverse set of finds, just like the people, right? There's hammer coins. There's seda coins. There's gold coins. There's, I mean, just buttons and Civil War belt plates and. It's really neat. And what I didn't consider when I wrote the book, but I saw somebody mention it. I forget what site it was on. And they said, this is such a great motivator when I'm having downturn in luck. Yeah, right. Because you're able to open it up and see what other people are finding. And maybe that uh, inspires you or motivates you to get out there and try to find something. Yeah, they're like, it's just one, one whole way I could have that find or... You know, one good plug, one one lucky feat. You know, it's weird, like fate. I've I've been in England metal detecting, and I've stumbled, and I kept walking the direction I stumbled and dug a hammered coin six feet on that walk, right? So, <laughs> um, and it's yeah. So anytime I stumble now, like when I'm walking, if I you know if I'm walking, on yeah, you're like, what ground, the heck? Let's roll with it. I just, I just, yeah, I just keep going the direction that I stumbled. Do you ever feel that. a pull right or left and do that? Just all of a sudden turn right and you're three feet and bang, you hit something really nice. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. So yes. I just, it's like, I don't know, I believe in like fate. and I, yeah, just, I don't know why that happens to me. It just all of a sudden I'll just make a sharp right and go about six feet. I walked by it. I went back and found it. I don't know why. <laughs> it might be a silver dime. I've been out in the field and all I've gotten <laughs> Eight up Indian head pennies or whatever out there, and they just make a turn, and and Dave White just calls me Lucky Chuck because I I did that right in front of him. He'd been through the area, and I pulled an eighteen forty seven half time up, and he went, oh, yeah, that's wow. that's why we and say you was. just you seem to pull it right out of the air. Yep. So some now, some people question, just have all the since luck. You're an old drag racer. What what were okay. you running? Gassers, pro stock. So I I started out in the street class at Echo, um, mm-hmm. ran that for a season, and I ran. So I didn't know. So when I wanted to do, I always wanted to do drag racing when I was a kid. I never did. <laughs> and as I'm getting older, I'm like, man, I'm going to regret if I never do this. So since I didn't know any mechanics and I didn't know any cars, I just went and bought a brand new Mustang and raced that. Right? It was just for racing. Right, mm-hmm. and I did my first season. I did pretty good. I actually won an event in English Town, um, and then I went to Pro Class at Atco, 
the second year in a 72 Mustang that I did a restoration on. So it was a mock, it looked like a Mach 1 clone. And I oh, raced yeah. that for a year. I raced that for a year. It was black and red, beautiful car, but it was sketchy at high speeds, man. That car, that car floated and it was a little sketchy. So Ooh. I wanted, when I wanted to do super pro, I ran super pro. I bought an 80 Mustang that was tubbed in the back at the big thick wheels. Right. And it would do wheelies off the line at a mm-hmm. 460, 460 with a uh, power glide transmission. So a two speed wow. off the line, you only shift once. Right. So, that was awesome. And then I ran a 67 Camaro for you. So I like the cars just as much as racing. Like well, running I, I like to watch the racing and then the cars. Did you ever travel to events outside of Pennsylvania? So I, I well, I lived in New Jersey for my first 55 years of my life. So I lived in Jersey. So I would go to Island Dragway up by New York. I would go to English Town, which was kind of mid New Jersey. And then Aco, which was South Jersey. And then I also went to New Media, Maple Grove, um, things, you know, it's probably like maybe seven or eight different tracks around. But there's okay. so many. Uh, I didn't around. know if you it's ran NHRA, UDRA, IHRA, um, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm more knowledgeable on how to get you out of a car that's had a problem than I am racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I live two miles yeah. from Cordova Dragway Park, World Series of Drag Racing. Yeah, up north they use um, mostly it's mostly NHRA tracks, and they're a full quarter mile. And then when you get south, it's IHRA, and they run an eighth mile. Yep, and they run both type events over here. And it's uh, they upgraded the track. The track was put in; it's still running in 1955. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know if you ever came this far west or not. Nope, never did. Um, I had a, a guy in Arizona buy one of my cars, but that's the the closest I came to. I there sold a car go. to a guy in Arizona, but I never was out there. There you wow. go. So that you, let's get back to detecting what we what we want to talk <laughs> about. But I had to know if you ever made it over to Cordova. Nope, never made it there. Sounds like yeah. you had a lot of fun while you were doing it, though. Oh yeah, he was running good cars too. Yeah. Yeah, I was a, a foot breaker, which means when you race, you can run a um, a delay box. Where yep. if you ever see a drag racing tree, when the first light goes off, they stomp on the gas and they let go of a button, right? And the delay that they put into the button will launch the call when the light turns green, if they mm-hmm. get the delay right. I ran foot break, which means I did it all myself. And I would have to kind of feel the tree and start moving when it was still yellow but not too soon to make it red you'd have to time it right so as you were moving and you're rolling through the light you're doing it just as it turns green and it's a science it is the hardest thing probably you'll do is trying to get a green light on a foot brake and try to get like a tenth of a second reaction time it's definitely hard it's tough because they run box and no box over here and they yeah. run eighth, and they run a quarter, and it's fun. <clears throat> we cover the events. <clears throat> they have the World Series of Drag Racing, and then they have their summer Nats over here, and they'll yeah. draw 20,000. That keeps me busy and the boys because we're taking care of the spectators that fall out of the stands. Right. The What's nice about Battle Detecting, though? 
Yeah, metal detecting is a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, it, a lot it depends. Cheaper. Where do you travel to and how often? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I go Think to about that once in a while. I go, oh, my God, that ticket went up. I go twice a year. I go in March and September. Uh-huh. And it's still cheaper than one engine and tranny. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Um, now, a yeah, tranny, you do have a point. The engines now, uh, it amazes me that the big names lease them. Yep. But, yeah, I, I, I love going to England so much. And it's when you sit there and you're digging holes and you're seeing – like even if I'm having a bad trip, I get, every trip's not amazing. Sometimes you have great trips, sometimes you have okay trips, right? But it, whether you're digging it or one of the people you're with, you always see something just amazing come out of the ground. And you're always. like, oh, my God. And you sit there and you think about it. Like my very first trip, I was part of a horde. Um, Aqua Chigger, Ringy, and Jocelyn had found seven coins um, on this field in England. And when we went... That was in September of 2017. When we went over in March of 2018, I was with Brandon Ray Nice, Dr. Tones, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, yo, let's go hit that field. They, they found those seven coins on. And he's like, all right. So we went there, and he found one. And that field was unbelievably hard. It was, it was muddy as hell because it had snowed the first night. The first day I ever detected in England, it was two inches of snow. Right? <laughs> it snowed that over. Was that a spring hunt? Yeah, we woke up mm-hmm. the snow. I was like, what the hell? Actually, so, I believe they, I remember seeing that video from Dr. Tones. Oh, it was crazy. So then it had all this little gold foil that was real tiny. The cows were fed something that had magnesium in it that would false your detector. And there was a cow fence. It was a cow I've fence. I've heard of that field. stuff over there. I haven't run oh. into it, but I'm sorry I laughed. It's just like, oh, yeah, it was crazy. man. And the, there was the cow fence that would pulsate because it was electric. So your your machine never shut up. It was unbelievable. And uh. I, it, it was coke in the field, right? So he's like, hey, swing this one. I think this is a hammered. And I swung it. I couldn't hear it. Uh-huh. And I was I was like, oh, shit. So I started adjusting my machine to hear that target. And I, I had the – it wasn't a clear tone, but I got a tone, and we dug it. And it was a hammer. Cool. So, so I gave him that coin, and I said, okay, so now I know that that's probably going to sound like – and it, if I was in the U.S., I would never have dug it. Right. And I'm over there, and I heard it. And it was in the bottom of a cow footprint that was filled with cow urine, right? And I put oh. my hand in it and had to pull it out, and it was a hammer. And I dug, it, I dug another one the next day, and I dug a third, right? So there's been 46 coins in that hoard. We all donated them, but it was like all, all over the newspaper. It was such an, an exciting thing, my first trip to England, to be part sure. of a hoard, you know? And yeah. it's all because it's all because Bo Aquachigger called Tim over and said, "Hey, I found a hammer coin over here." And like I said, they ended up finding seven. We found seven more, so it was it was fourteen. And then right after we left, they plowed the field. It was a pasture field. They ended up plowing it, and the tour guide saw it, and he doesn't have a tour for six more months, right? So he went and just hit it himself, and I think he popped like twenty-seven. Oh, wow. nice. 
Yeah, so there's definitely more there, but now they don't have access to that field anymore, so oh. that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that, that occurs. That, that There's been those changes on a lot of fields over there. Yep. And on that because field, I saw... something similar to what you're just talking about. Yep. yep. And then on that team saw a bronze jack's head come out of the ground. And that was just like, oh, my God, it was beautiful. It looked like a museum piece. Nice green patina. It was beautiful. So the stuff you see come out of the ground is just it's mind-numbing. Yeah. It's just like, oh, my God. Well, and Todd it, got it, his it, point there and, and other places I've been to, and then my true love's up in Alaska and over on the West Coast hunting nuggets. But uh, it's amazing what you do find. We're working old tailings piles, and we were getting Civil War buttons, and we were getting Indians, and we were getting, you know, the coins in that. But one of the boys on the last trip or two trips ago, pulled a seven-ounce nugget. Damn. That's a nice-sized nugget. <laughs> well, he was offered 35000 cash outright there for it when he came back with me, and he's going back this summer with me. They made a counteroffer of 50000 Holy cow. Wow. That's a good day. That's yep. a good day. Yep. That's a good day. So that kind of digging, that, that's a different world than coin shooting yeah yeah like you look through these books and you'll see just some crazy things that people have dug and you're like oh my god like that that came that was just sitting in the ground waiting for someone right. to swing over like, it wow i can't believe that i'd love to find one of those yeah yeah like in volume two there's a guy named frank neal i've hunted with frank twice in england um once on the hosted tour where you stayed with the tour guide's his sister. Um, I was with him, him, Oki, Jim, me, um, Ontario, Jeff, and I forget who, oh, Jake and um, Carol and his mom, Kelly Carol. So I hunted with Frank there, and he told an interesting story, and I had no way to get a hold of him, and it turns out I was there, he was there this March or this September when I hunted. So I got, I got the information I needed from him to put him in the book, but he's oh, got a nice. Roman gold He's got a Roman gold coin. Oh, and this is where it's just weird, right? So it's the last day of his hunt um, in, I think it was 2017. And it's snowing, right? So it's a March trip. Nobody else wants to go out. So he goes out by himself. He gets dropped off by Chris on the fields. And he's on a field that has snow on it and it's not really diggable it's got stubble so what he's doing he's walking in the track of a trailer like a tractor that had gone through with like a just pulling something so there was tire tracks through the snow for this tractor and this trailer that it was like a farm trailer and pulling it through the field so he has no other place to swing because the, the tour guide dropped him off and left Right, so unless you're going to walk somewhere, you're you are where you are, right? right? So he makes the best of it and just starts swinging in the tracks of this tractor. Pops the gold coin, and mm. like just the the fate of that, right? That he had to pick that field 
tractor had to have driven through that field would have had to drive over the coin so it was now in the path that Frank was walking and that's the stuff you like that was it was just meant to be like that's just too weird like he had a, he had an 18 right, yeah because it's not like these are small fields to begin with yeah that's what I mean right he's in a giant field and this tractor had happened to drive through the field and he's got an 18 inch swing with Across the whole field. That's all he's got. Wow. <laughs> pops a gold, gold Roman coin. Cool. Some people That's, are pretty lucky. Keep my fingers crossed to get a gold Roman sometime. Or a Celtic. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Like some of this some of this Civil War stuff, they're like, I, I've only doubled. I did one DIV this year. I've never done a DIV before, and I did one other hunt down in North Car- or South Carolina, and it was a hot mess. Like there was nobody found anything. Everybody was leaving after the first day, so I had never really done a Civil War hunt. So I didn't realize the breadth of things that are found and how amazing they are. And there's a lot of Civil War stuff in in this book, Volume Two, from people who have found just amazing stuff from American history too. So. I've gained a, a really big appreciation for the Civil War digs, and I'll be going to a lot more in the future. Because like I said, I, I just went. I found a – I was happy. I found – I didn't have a – we were in Culpeper, right? So, you know, that soil and the mineralization. I mean, you lose a, a button of like four inches deep, a, a bullet, four inches deep. You can't hear it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I got lucky. I found a, um, a sharp a Sharps ringtail, a Confederate bullet. I was really happy with that. It's nice. really nice shape. Yeah, it was drops. I was real happy, and I found a couple of um, mini balls. So I found a few things, but I, the stuff that when when you're the last day, you get up for the barbecue, and people put all their finds on the trailer, and you're like, oh my god, look at that! You know, some people are really good with those those pulse machines, and they're pulling 50, 60 buttons, you know, or uh, bullets, and a whole bunch of buttons, and they got a display case that's filled with. You know, breastplate. Oh, the, the pulse machine is king oh, yeah. there. Hands down. Yeah, it was. I could. I. I was stunned. One of the guys we were with, Chris, he gave me a ball. He said, "Go bury that and see how deep you can hit it." I'm like, all right. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'll be able to hit it deep. Nope. <laughs> Four inches. No, I was not losing. in that ground. I, I couldn't ground. believe it. I couldn't believe it. So um, I. I been to DIV before, and I was using a 4800, and doing rather well for my first DIV, and uh, that's where I met Barb. She was having trouble with her 5000, battery puked on her, and I think she was swinging the dais at that time. We were finding stuff. We we did pretty good. Actually, I did very well. We were doing the, we were outside of Culpeper. Uh, Brandy Rock. Yeah, and that that's a neat hunt. That uh, that's a neat hunt. Yeah, I'd definitely be doing more of those in the future. That was a good time, and then it was really cool because the one guy Chris he hunts too, and he brought some deer meat with him and a grill, and he busted out that grill on the middle of the field and cooked his venison like steak sandwiches. For lunch one day. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. 
that venison would be. steak sandwiches. Usually I'm bringing venison, sausage, cheese, and crackers. That's a quick lunch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not having to cook. Yeah. 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 So, but no, it sounds like you've, you've in, what, how long you've been doing it? Seven years now? Yeah, just about eight now. Just about eight. Well, yeah. You've done pretty well. Yeah, I've been, like I said, I did, it, it's funny, most of my, my hunts in the last four years have been in England, or three and a half, because I moved to Pennsylvania away from all my permissions. I had like uh, maybe 15 fields that I had access to in New Jersey, like big farm fields. And when I moved to Pennsylvania, I didn't have any. So, and I moved during COVID, right? So nobody was oh having me. Nobody it was hard doing to anything, get permissions. Right? Yeah, so... Um, I would say for the past three years, I've almost hunted England exclusively. And it's just recently that I've, you know, I started, I joined the local metal detecting club here um, earlier this year. And I started to go out with them, went to DIV with them. I had them down to Jersey with me. One, one of my, I took them down to my permission in Jersey and I've been out with them. So it's nice to have people local again that I can go out with. There you go. That makes a big difference though, too. Really yeah, if, like if I have to go by myself, I'm like, eh, because literally, I think it's much more fun to be with somebody and share their excitement if they find something or they mm-hmm. share your, if you find something, right? It, you, it's, I don't know, I just, I find the, the people aspect of the hobby and the socialization <laughs> and the friendships that you form or almost as important as what you find, if not more important. Well, when right? I started, so, I still have friends that I started with 52 years later. Right. Yeah, the the finds may come and go, but the memories and friendships last a lifetime. Ray Grip and Don Finch and some of the other guys, and if you ever want to see a collection of Civil War artifacts, and if you ever get over this way, you get a hold of me, and I'll hook you up with a guy that's got a museum of what he's found. Right, show him Don's collection. Amazing. But he started metal detecting in 1964. And he and his brothers went down into areas literally unbelievable buckles. They had detectives back? Just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And you figure this was before the days of regulations and restrictions. Uh Uh-huh. Damn, that was before I was born. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm an old guy. Don't do that to me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but uh, he has one thing that I've never seen anybody else produce and show what he found, he actually has a certified ball and chain slave ball and chain that they put on him and lock oh my that God. he recovered off a of riverbank in uh, Ohio River. Wow. And he had us looked at and certified it. That's what it is. That's interesting. Wow. He's got amazing stuff. So anyway, you can travel through the industry and get to know the people and, and, and to me, you're a newcomer yet. You only got seven years in. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that England 
I like hunting over there. The yeah. first trip I went, I knew nothing. I was by myself. I got permission on a castle ground owned by the hotel chain. They built the hotel along the castle. It was built in 1490, and Mine Lab had an event there. I was there for Mine Lab. When they left, I asked the groundskeeper if I could hunt. Well, it's a Scottish golf course. I figured there'd be some areas I could. He said, "You can hunt everything you want, but the greens." So I'm pulling up what you were talking about: greenies everywhere. Right. And that was a lot of fun, and lead bale seals, and I had nothing earth shattering. I gave it all to the hotel. They put it in a shadow box, and they got it up behind the counter. Very cool. But, uh, those you meet, and what in the enthusiasm. That's why I like hunting with kids. Their enthusiasm over a rusty nail is amazing. Right. And the questions that they give you about it, where it might have come from, are great. <laughs> yeah, you just never know what they're going to fire back with you next. Definitely. So keep your enthusiasm. Keep putting out your books. That that adds to our continuation of what we're doing. You're doing a good job with it. Thanks. Like it. You said it's. Um, I don't. I don't consider myself a great detectorist at all. I just got lucky. I got lucky with fields. I got lucky with friends who've taken me out when I first started. But I, I've seen so many amazing things come out of the ground that I knew right away that uh, someday I'll write a book or I'll do a documentary cool. or something. Right? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of amazing people and I got some negative emails before after volume one. Oh, I should have been in the book or this person should be in the book. And I'm like, no. I, I, I can only do so many times, right? Like, well, like, yeah. it, there's always right? going to be I'll, that I'll one in every crowd. You're going to have that. Yeah, Move on that, from it and keep doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah, that was, that was tough. I had to get in the right mind space because I'm like, man, people are, are really upset they're not in the book, but I don't even know who they are. And out of the... <laughs> Out of the 50-some-odd people, or 52, and I hunted with 20 of them. So 40% of the book in volume one is people that I knew personally that I hunted with. Right? So right. that's why, you know, it, it, I, I almost, do I really want to do volume two? Do I really want to open myself up to this again, right, where I'm like people complaining right, that they're not? I don't know if I'm ready to be beat yeah. up again. <laughs> yeah, it so th that was the hardest part, but I got my mind. I got my it, it, people. Are, people are going to be jealous, right? I get it, and and it's not like if there was one. It was a big. It kicked off over in England over this. Somebody was putting comments on one of the one of the people who had posted their picture of their page, and it got hundreds of comments and hundreds of like it, it just kicked off. And the and the guy from the Searcher magazine reached out to me. And he's like, hey, I want to do an article on your book because what I saw in the last 24 hours here was a lot of jealousy. And we're going to set the record straight what you're doing with your book. Oh, boy. Was, nice. I'm like, That's, that was really nice. I'm a wonderful guy. Um, and it's nice that, that you know, people are, are, you know, sticking up for, you know, that kind of jealousy, right? That, that they're not going to let that go. And 
the fact that it's all going to, I'm not even, I'm not making, it's, the books cost me money, right? Because I had, I did the, the self-publishing in volume one and then in volume two, people got free books, right? That's not coming off the top of the profits. I'm just eating that, right? So that cost me money to give everybody a book, but that's okay, right? Because I give people the books, they post the pictures of their, of their books. They're excited because they're in the book. That might help sell some books, right? And then right. that money goes to charity, right? So that's fine. It's it's like a lost leader, but it's okay. I'm not going to take it off the profits. That's just my cost of doing the book since I don't have a Photoshop cost. I don't need an editor. I used AI for all the copyright or the copy checks, like the editing. So uh-huh. I used AI and just had it. I, I did check spelling, grammar, punctuation, capitalization, and it would tell you, yep, you, you, everything's good here. You should change this, or for clarity, you should change. So I didn't even need a copy editor. I did all that with AI, right? So the the volume two, the only cost I had was the books, and that's not coming off the top of the profits. A hundred percent of the profits will go to charity, and what I'm probably going to do is I'll probably do a donation like the first week in December of the profits from the first week of the book. And then I'll do one at the end of December as well, but probably have two within that December window. Nice. Nice. Good on you. Thank you. But there's one thing in detecting. I don't believe in luck. No, I stumbled, man. I'm telling you. No, I don't believe in luck. If you aren't out doing it, you're not finding it. Well, that's true. There's no luck to it. It's you got to put yourself out there. You got to do your research and, and find out the area you want to be in. Then good things are found. Yeah, I don't know. I I think lucky feet though sometimes. Like I said, when I stumbled and I just kept walking and hit a hammered six feet into that stumble, I was like, whoa. So now, anytime I have, like, if I'm, no, no, it was meant to happen. You, you were so? there. I'm serious. That's the way I look at it. When I'm out there, I, you know, you still had to get your coil over it. In. We've been working certain fields that have had a lot of use for many, many years, and they keep producing. We keep hunting them, but we've done more studies on it. We found out where the pay station was. We found this. We've got into that. It's not luck. It's work. You're out there working for it. If you happen to fall into a pile of poo and come out with a rose, okay, then I'll tell you you were lucky. <laughs> so, well, you never know. If you're not out there doing it, you know, you, you get a lot of naysayers. The one time they go out, they see you doing your book, putting people in the book, because what are they doing? They're out there doing the hobby. They're out having a good time. They're like people like you, me, and everybody that's listening tonight. We're out there doing it, and all you got to do is get over it and dig it. Now, it comes down to choice. Do I dig this or don't I dig this? If you don't dig it and walk on, and I walk in behind you and dig it up going, hey, look what I found behind you, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> when luck, it was, I got there after yeah. you did. So that's Andy had asked in chat, what word of advice do I have for detectors from what I've seen, right? So my advice would be, if it if it repeats, dig it and don't no. don't ju- just get down, pop it out because it only takes uh, 
15, 20 seconds to recover a target in most scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's super hard ground or if it's it's different, right? But in most scenarios, you're you're up and down in a minute, and you're off to the next target. Right. If you're standing around swinging it from all these different angles to say, well, does it repeat from this angle? Does it repeat from that angle? And what all? I lose it over here, but I have it over here. Right. Just get it out of yeah. the ground. That, that's the that would be my advice to anybody. I'm like, look, just if it repeats, dig it and just move on. In, in, I, in England, I guarantee you, if you're in a, that's how it's just going to go. If you're in England and you're making a decision to not dig a target because you don't like the BDI number or you, it doesn't quite sound right, or I guarantee you, you're going to get it wrong. Yeah, you can't base your England hunting on your U.S. experience. No, just no. Just get down, pop it out, and keep, yeah, you really do. You, you just have to you have to dig it all. Yeah, I was with, especially uh, with how much the uh, history is layered over there, and and thousands of years of it. Yep. Um, the one guy that was with us, he got it was raining. It was the the first full day in England. We were in a pasture, not plowed ground. He's getting this signal, and he goes and he digs down. I'm not far. He says, "Come here, run your." I ran it. I said, "You got a solid signal." And, oh, he says, I, I don't know. I think it's junk. I said, you already got the hole open. Find out. Then I got down with him, and I said, it's over here with the pinpointer. And he, and it was two, not one, two William and Mary coins. And they're kind of a. They were, Those are hard to find. They yeah. Them out of. yeah. But the yeah, one was gorgeous. Yeah. William and Mary. Oh. I've never found a William and Mary. And he found two of them, one hole. And. I you know Damn. first time I see him and but the one was absolutely gorgeous. It had both heads of him and her on there, and it was just really nice coin. But he was going to walk from it. He already had the hole open. You, no, you don't do that. Yep. Yeah, I if I'm in England, if I if it, I don't even look at the numbers, right? If I'm thinking if if I hear pop pop, that's all I got to hear. Yep. If I swing left and right and it hits it both times, I'm down and I'm. I'm popping it and I'm on my way, right? So at the end of the day, I got a bag full of trash, right? But I usually have two or three good things every day, right? Might yeah. not be amazing things, right? But I got some good things, right? And the, the one trip, hey, I, I found like more things, some, some things are better of, than none at all. Exercise, you met, met all new friends. Hands down, you can't beat that. Make new friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like I said, there, there's so good thing. Many, Yep, and there's people that I've hunted with in England that I now speak with often, and we go back to England together. We plan trips together, like Jeff from Ontario. I hunted with him before, and we scheduled a trip together, and we went back again together. Sure. So, like, there's – yeah, there's just a lot – there's so many nice people. I, I haven't – I don't think I've met somebody that I disliked on any of the trips. That's always a plus. I, I haven't either. I haven't either. I mean, we got the nicest people in the hobby. Really do. This group on on detecting beyond sight and sound, we got some really great folk, and I've got a hunt well, eighty five percent of them anyway, and we have a great time. And or at and least meet them every now and then. What you're doing. But then there's Josh with the purple hair. 
<laughs> Got to watch him. Yeah, I'll Let's have to. Uh, I'll have to dig around for the picture of the green hair. Yeah. Well, I thought it was going to be purple this year. <laughs> no, it, it was purple last year this time of the yeah, year. Yeah, oh, that's right. What are you going to do for Christmas this year? I'm hoping hide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. See, I've I've got this really nice, warm Mine Lab beanie, so I don't know that there'll be any color change this year. There you go. It's gray, too, right? No, no, oh. it's not. And <laughs> I'm I'm sure that's that's going to be the next thing. Tam's going to tell me. Well, that doesn't match your hair. We need to dye your hair again. Uh, well, I'm taking you guys' time well enough. You can have a great one. Nice talking with you. And uh, if you ever travel through the Midwest, we also have a hunt here in Galesburg. It'll be June 22nd, swing in the summer. I and I club. You'd be more than welcome to stop over. I appreciate that. It was nice speaking to you too. It's definitely and, uh, a good time. Yeah, safe travels, and maybe we'll cross paths in England. I'm going in March this year. I, w- I will be, too. So we may be around the same barn site. I think on March 23rd. I think that's when I go over, March 23rd. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but it's in that time frame also, so... Yeah, you never know. That'll be my first spring hunt. All the guys come back from the spring hunt saying it snowed, it rained, it snowed, it rained. <laughs> it's it's sometimes you get some super right. cold days over it there. Snowed, it snowed, it rained, it got cold. Yep. Well, that's that's going to be quite the uh, change from the environment in Aruba. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> Aruba is a great place to detect, but the way I like to detect on the beaches is there's a palapa down the road. I'll get a drink, and I'll just walk along. And I do find stuff, but it's a happy find. Yep, there you go. All day long. There you go. All right, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on, Josh. We'll talk to you later. Do well with your book, and I'll see if I can get one ordered off Amazon. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. No problem. All Not right. All. Thanks for the call, Chuck. Bye bye. And uh <clears throat> we've uh, definitely kept you tied up quite some time. I apologize for that. Um who knows, maybe we'll have to have you back again sometime in the future. Uh as long as you don't think I'm gonna chain you to your desk for an hour and forty five minutes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. I really appreciate you having me on just thanks to everybody who's supporting the book and they're wonderful charities doing wonderful work. And I just want to do what I can to help. Right. Uh, anything else you'd like to mention before we head out? No, just thank you very much for your time tonight. All right. Well, hang in there with me, Ken, and we'll get on out of here. Uh, obviously folks, uh, Ken Cunliffe, um, beneath our feet, volume one and volume two, volume two is literally, Fresh off the presses. I think it's been available for three days now. Uh, Good things. Check it out, definitely. Uh, Don't forget, for those who are members of Metal Detecting Central Illinois, Mike does have his first Christmas contest up. It ends at midnight. We're back Sunday with the Kids' Great Christmas giveaway show. 
and we'll be covering the schedule Sunday on that. Hang in there with me, Ken. I'll get back to you here in a minute. For everyone else, have a wonderful evening. Get out there and try to find it if you can. We'll catch you on the next one.